It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a film review Monday right here on Locked On Cougars. What to take away from Sam Houston State as BYU now turns their attention to Southern Utah this Saturday. Also, BYU basketball is a huge commitment from four-star prospect Marcus Adams Jr. What can he do for Mark Pope and company? We'll talk about all that ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Katz, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, this is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports, and a huge thank you once again to all of you who support the venture. Uh, Great response over the weekend in our postcast edition we put out early Sunday morning after BYU's 14-0 win over Sam Houston State. Cannot thank you guys enough for checking that out. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. But a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor over at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers get bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. All right, Saturday night. BYU opens the Big 12 era with a uh, less than satisfying 14 to nothing victory over Sam Houston and the Bearcats. Now, uh, here's the thing about this is this was a game that it was a slog for BYU. I I don't know how to say it any other way than that. BYU struggled. There's absolutely no doubt that BYU struggled. I'm actually pulling up my notes I wrote down on my phone after I rewatched the tape and uh, some of my takeaways. But the bigger thing, I think, for this is that BYU has nowhere really to go but up. The defense, okay, the defense is pitched a shutout. That that absolutely is incredible for the defense. You allowed your opponent to cross the 50 one time of their own volition. Now, they did have that one series that started inside BYU territory. Obviously, Jacob Robinson bailed them out with the interception on that, but they only crossed the 50, like I said, with their own offensive drive starting on their side of the 50 one time. That's very, very impressive. You have to go back to 2017 for BYU and uh, the deal when they played uh, LSU and they didn't cross the 50 at all that game. Remember how crappy of a feeling that was for you as a Cougar fan. And the biggest thing is that now BYU turns their attention to Southern Utah this week. Now, Southern Utah should be a an opponent BYU should be able to dominate similar to what you thought they were going to dominate when they took on Sam Houston State. I will say this. There are traits between the Thunderbirds and the Bearcats that obviously show up on tape. And we'll talk about that as the week progresses. But I want to look back before we look forward. Now, let's. after rewatching the tape, it felt like to me that BYU's offense just seemed disjointed the entire night. Untimely penalties. uh, Not uh, very crisp routes being run at times. The offensive line just didn't look in sync. That is the thing about this is the the offensive line, I know it's going to get a lot of people upset because this is a veteran unit and I, among others, said this might be the best offensive line BYU's had in quite some time and they've had some pretty good offensive lines in the recent past. But uh, it just looked like they weren't in sync. 
sync. And that is going to take some time, it feels like, for them fully to get all on the same page. There was a lot of juggling in training camp on that offensive front, and I'm not trying to give them an excuse here, but I think the BYU on the rush side of things, when it comes to their offensive running game, that zone concept that BYU runs, the zone run scheme where offensive line has to work in concert with one another, whereas the running backs also have to read off those offensive linemen, you've got a lot of new bodies in a lot of new places. Kingsley Suamata'ia moved from right tackle to left tackle. Connor Pay moved from center to right guard. Waylon Lapuaho played in a completely different offense last year, just like Caleb Etienne transferring into the program. Paul Miley, the same thing at Utah. So I think it may take them a little more time to get fully on the same page. I will also point to, when it comes to the running backs, LJ Martin, and we already talked about him on the postcast edition, he was absolutely sensational. He's got the vision already that BYU's other running backs need to develop. If I'm Aiden Robbins, I'm Deion Smith, Miles Davis, etc., I'm asking LJ Martin, how in the world were you seeing the holes so easily in this scheme? I, I don't know much about LJ Martin's offensive background in terms of what he ran at Conotillo High School, but his vision, and Kalani Satake highlighted it in the postgame. He said it was Tyler Algier-esque. Tyler Algier had incredible vision and understood the zone scheme. It fit his skill set so well. That's why he was so effective in his role as BYU starting running back for the majority of those two years. He knew what he was doing, and LJ Martin absolutely already, as an 18-year-old true freshman, already has that vision to see things develop and then define those holes and those seams in the offensive blocking scheme and exploit them. They need to be better about that. The offensive line needs to improve. The running backs need to improve. Keaton Slovis said it himself. I'm harsh. I'm not feeling good about my performance overall. It was a pretty pedestrian night for him. It was a pedestrian night for the offense as a whole. But in talking with some people around the football program, I cannot emphasize enough how much the Mata'ava Ta'ase losing his father Saturday morning in the lead up to that game affected this offense. And they played like it. They played like they were stuck in mud. Calls were not relayed in in a timely fashion. Remember that timeout they had to take at the start of the second half. That was just not things being relayed the way it needed to be. It just seemed like they were kind of going in like slow motion at times. Uh, It's not going to make you feel any better as a Cougar fan. A win's a win. You never throw back a win. I get that. But you wanted to see a more dominant outing. And hopefully BYU will learn from this, get back to it, and work hard this week, and they'll be much better on offense against Southern Utah. They should be in theory because Southern Utah is an FCS program. So we'll we'll see. Interesting note there. Now on uh, the other other thing on the offensive side of the deal, not sure why there was so much Isaac Rex at wide receiver and split out wide for BYU in this offense. I, I don't know what it is. Are they trying to force the ball to him? Are they trying to uh, pump up his stats to give him more NFL opportunities? It just seemed like it was forced at times in this game. And uh, we'll see if it, if it changes. The other thing about this I'll add on the offense, very vanilla. I saw two or three run scheme uh, concepts, some polls and whatnot, but it was very vanilla. It was a lot of zone scheme, as I mentioned. Maybe once in a while a counter or a, a polling guard but a lot of vanilla stuff in the run game. I, I can expect you'll see more exotic looks from that. Same thing with the, the passing game. A lot of out routes, a lot of uh, what I like to call stick routes, uh, some go routes, etc. The screens just did not develop like they should have in this game, it felt like. So is BYU holding things in reserve in the lead-up to facing Arkansas and kicking off the Big 12 era? I would expect so. And maybe they thought, you know what, we can go in with this limited playbook and get the job done. And they did get the job done. Just wasn't inspiring uh, to very many out there. Now, the defense, I've got like no notes on the defense because I thought the defense just 
played lights out. You limit a team to 38 rushing yards, 185 total. Like I said, they only crossed the 50 once. Speaking of the Cats, that's a very impressive deal. I really liked what I saw, though, from Raider DeMooney late in this game. He showed why he's a four-star talent that's probably going to be a starting safety for BYU somewhere in the relatively near future. He had a monster hit. Many of you might recall it on that. Uh, it was a bubble screen. out there. He came out and absolutely plastered uh, the Sam Houston player. It was a phenomenal play by him. Uh, some of the stars that popped for me on film in this included Camden Garrett. I actually was more impressed watching him on film than I was in the game. Uh, the pass interference, I get why they called it. Watching it again, still don't like it because they allowed the wide receivers and the cornerbacks to be so physical with one another throughout that entire game. And for that one in particular uh, to be called pass interference, now uh, Jacob Robinson did bail BYU out on the very next play, which is a huge play in and of itself. But I really liked what I saw from Camden Garrett. Him and Eddie Heckard looked the part of guys who have been playing for years in this defense, and they played very, very well for their first Power 5 games. I also really liked what I saw from John Nelson on the defensive line for BYU. John is a is just an all-effort guy, and I love uh, what he brings he just he he goes 110% all of the time. He is not the flashiest player. He's not the most physically gifted player, but what he is, he just absolutely gives you all-out maximum effort, and that uh, translates to the football field. I really liked what I saw from him. Offensively, I liked what I saw from Darius Lassiter. He was BYU's best wide receiver. Uh, one thing I should add to this is BYU's wide receiving core just could not get separation from Sam Houston. Now, that's a concern for me because if you can't get separation against Sam Houston, how in the world are you going to get separation against the likes of Oklahoma? Texas, on down the list in the Big 12, Texas Tech, Kansas. I've got concern if BYU can't get open against these guys, what makes me think they're going to get open against those guys? That is a massive concern, but I did like what I saw from Darius Lasseter rewatching the tape. He was BYU's best wide receiver by a good margin, I thought, in this game. Mason Fakahua and Mata'aba Ta'ase, who I already talked about, I thought were very effective in their roles, most notably uh, in terms of their run blocking. I really like them on those pole concepts as they came around to open holes. Uh, the biggest one is uh, Mata'aba Ta'ase. Uh, he was the one that opened the hole, if I recall correctly, for the first touchdown run for Keaton Slowis. Very nicely done for him uh, getting out in front of that. And then Marcus McKenzie. He was stood out during the game to me as the gunner on punt coverage, but watching the tape, he looked even better on tape. Ryan Rico was very good. Uh, so the special team's ace for me was uh, Marcus McKenzie. Showing off that elite track speed he's got, translated to the football field, and also very short tackling uh, from him as well. So uh, those are my takeaways from film. I, like I said, I don't have a ton because I'm going to withhold judgment, I feel like, for another week. And that may be harsh. and That may be not what you're here for. But I'm interested to see how BYU responds this week. Obviously, uh, we said back-to-back tragedies, uh, losing uh, the nephew of Kelly Papin. Julius Maximus, Papinga, Brady Papinga's son, earlier in the week. And then to lose one of your very players, uh, Tava Taase, to lose his dad Saturday morning. That had the offense, it felt like, in a funk, and they never got their way out of it. Some uncharacteristic penalties, something needs to be cleaned up from game one. I'm going to withhold judgment. If we see a similar type effort against Southern Utah and it just doesn't look like things are going in a positive direction, that's when I'm going to start kind of raising the alarm a little bit because it just feels like I'm going to give them a one-week grace period. If it doesn't come to fruition this week against Southern Utah, 
we'll we'll start to really have a serious discussion about okay, what in the world is actually wrong with this offense? But I said it Saturday night, uh, early Sunday morning. I'll say it again now. I've got the faith that Aaron Roderick will find answers. He is a good enough offensive coordinator that he will find answers for his players to be effective in their roles. I've got trust in that because he's done it for quite a while now for BYU. The hope is that he will work his magic once again, and BYU will be uh, operating at hopefully close to peak efficiency by the time the Big 12 season starts in just three weeks. So uh, there you go. That's what I had for you guys. Not a lot of exotic looks on either side. BYU brought some corner blitzes, brought some all-out blitzes on defense. Man, coverage was in uh, effect on defense. What we were promised on defense came out, and also the offense, like I said, I think they went in with a very much a limited playbook and said, hey, you know what? We're not going to do a lot of things and put a lot of stuff on tape because we don't necessarily want to uh, show our entire hand right now, uh, nor should they have. I, I think they should have been better just in terms of operating at uh, as efficiently as they could have been in uh, with the offense of, uh, game plan going in, but I think there were some exterior, uh, some exterior factors, ulterior factors. I don't, I, I don't know. I just, it just seemed like they were not uh, all on the same page, and I think there were some some minds that were elsewhere uh, during that contest. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll transition, talk a little BYU basketball. Huge pickup for BYU via the transfer portal. Marcus Adams Jr. is he the type of player that can make BYU a, a team that's actually a force to be reckoned with year one in the Big Twelve? Should he get that eligibility waiver? We'll talk about all that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Real quick word on a new friend of ours over at Athletic Brews. What Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. Yes, you heard that right. Non-alcoholic beer, my friends. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. If you are a person who likes the taste of a brewski, well, you probably should give it a shot. Uh, check out our friends over at Athletic Brew- Brewing Company. They're great tasting. More importantly, they're award-winning. They have beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They have brewed over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and and more. No matter what you're looking for, they've got the options for you. The more, most important part I feel like is no hangovers ever because it is non-alcoholic. You can find Athletic Brewing Company in-store, online, or at bars around the country. They're the fastest growing non-alcoholic brewery in the U.S., so get on board, my friends, and check it out. First-time customers can go to their website and use the promo code Locked On to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Check it out, my friends. That's courtesy of Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Also brought to you today by our friends over at UCCU. Now, UCCU has a new thing called Learn and Earn. It's available inside the UCCU mobile banking app that is paying your entire family to learn about money. Simple as that. Kids look to parents to become financially literate, and parents don't always have the answers to those questions. That is where Learn and Earn steps in here. They break down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia, and every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that accrue and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more, my friends. It's age-appropriate content available for every member of the family to get started today. And the best part is Learn and Earn is available inside the UCCU mobile banking app. So play anytime, anywhere. And the more you play, the more you learn. And the more you learn, the more you earn. It's really simple, my friends. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart youth banking system, uh, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. That's the most important part. It's together, everybody. It's all courtesy of UCCU. Love 
where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day and, of course, being every dayers with us here on the podcast. You probably saw it pop up on Friday morning. College football season is here, and we have a new thing we're doing with Locked On on the College Channel. It's called each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on every Locked On College YouTube channel, including this one. Every one of them is going to be live. It's called College Football Kickoff Live. It's covering playoff implications, conference rivalry games, and going depth like only Locked On, including insight and analysis from all of us Locked On hosts covering our team every single day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on any Locked On College YouTube channel right here on Locked On Cougars. You won't want to miss it. All right, uh, let's move along here and talk some BYU basketball. Some great news, some big news coming out on Saturday. BYU landing a, a top 50 recruit in Marcus Adams Jr. This is a huge pickup for BYU. He visited BYU earlier last week as he was looking for a new program after having originally committed and signing uh, with Kansas. Then deciding, you know what, Kansas ain't it for me. He makes the move. BYU got in contact. He decided, okay, I'm going to go to Gonzaga. Didn't work out at Gonzaga for whatever reason. I, I don't know the reasons why it didn't work out at either with the Jayhawks or the Bulldogs, but their loss is BYU's gain, and Marcus Adams is officially signed with BYU. Now, because he has made those two transfers and used up his free uh, uh, initial one-time transfer, he will have to apply for an eligibility waiver. He told KSL Sports as well as Vanquish the Foe that he thinks that there is going to be an opportunity for him to get that eligibility waiver. If he gets that, you're looking at a guy who I think could start game one for BYU this season. He's got that type of talent, folks. He was number 49 in the top 100 rankings uh, by 24-7 sports. This is a kid who averaged 28.8 points his senior year at Narbonne High School down in Los Angeles. Also added 6.8 rebounds and 5 assists during his final season uh, down there for Narbonne. This is a kid who absolutely can ball out because more importantly than that, he was named the John R. Wooden High School Player of the Year for the LA City Section Open Division after recording three 40-point performances, including one performance where he went for a cool 50 points and additional 21 rebounds. A 50-20 game. Uh, And here's the thing. I love his size. Six foot eight, 200 pounds, a true swingman who could play the two, three, or four position, it feels like, for BYU. Has a sweet stroke from three. Uh, more importantly, he's got the size to play on the interior from EB. Like, this is the type of player that BYU has dreamed of having for years. Trust me, I, I've watched BYU basketball darn near my entire life and I've seen a lot of good basketball players come through BYU, but a lot of them have, let's say, non elite size and they don't have the accolades that a guy like Marcus Adams has. This is the type of guy, if he is capable, capable of living up to the potential that people thought he had in the recruiting process, he has got NBA written all over him. That's the type of player this is. I, I haven't been able to say that very often about BYU basketball players of late. There are guys you think, okay, if they, if they just absolutely max out in terms of their ability to uh, play hoops, they may get a shot at, at the NBA. There are a lot of guys that have come through BYU that are currently at BYU who I think will have fine professional careers, albeit I think most of them are going to have to go overseas to do it. Marcus Adams, he's on NBA radars right now. He's got NBA teams who are going to track his progress playing for the BYU basketball program. Whether he sits out this year or not and has to redshirt, whatever it is, no matter what, NBA teams are going to be interested in how he comes along in BYU system because he's already on the radar out there with regards to his potential as an NBA swingman type player. If he can go out and become the player that BYU hopes he can become, we're talking about the type of kid, type of kid that when Colin Chandler returns from his mission, you could have two guys on the wings for BYU 
you who both have NBA potential. I have it on very good authority from multiple people inside the NBA that Colin Chandler is considered to be a next-level player. They think that he is going to be a guy that the NBA is going to be tracking, similar to what I expect with Marcus Adams. These are the players that Mark Pope needs to have any hope of competing in the Big 12. Kansas has four or five, six of these guys on their roster at any given time. Speaking of a guy like Marcus Adams, he was going to go to Kansas. That's how good of a player this is, folks. We cannot, and I cannot overstate how important of a pickup this is for the BYU basketball program. I got my fingers crossed that they do approve his eligibility waiver because he'd be a big boon to BYU's hopeful success year one in the Big 12 here. I still think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath on certain nights for BYU just with regards to how good the Big 12 looks. But you can never have too many guys like Marcus Adams on your roster. And having him, just him singularly joining BYU improves BYU's fortunes in the Big 12 right away. I don't want to put it all on this kid who's 18 years old, actually reclassified. He's actually supposed to be part of the 2024 recruiting cycle. He reclassified into the 2023 cycle to start his uh, college career early. I don't want to put too much on his plate, but I'm telling you, I see traits from him that make me think this dude has absolutely got the capability of elevating BYU and Like I said, if he lives up to that, he could be a guy that could be on his way to the NBA before he finishes out his eligibility for the Cougars. Like I said, there's still a lot to be determined. Needs to get that eligibility waiver. If he has to redshirt this year, how good is he going to be year two in the Big 12 for BYU? But uh, it's a big pickup. Like BYU is going to go into the season, and Mark Pope was trying to make things look all hunky-dory. And I really like my squad, even though we uh, have two open scholarships. We're going to be okay with these guys. Well, when you get out a guy with the upside of a guy like Marcus Adams, yeah, absolutely. That's a home run pickup for BYU. And a uh, tip of the cap to Cody Figure, who apparently was the lead recruiter in this circumstance. But it is a home run pickup for the BYU basketball program to have Marcus Adams on here. And the more important part is it could play a big role in BYU getting a second elite player from the Adams family in Max, uh, uh, as Max, Maximo, Max. Yeah, I've seen different names for him. But Max Adams is considered to be a top 25 recruit in the 2020. 26 recruiting cycle. Now, that's a ways off a little bit. I get that. But having his older brother playing at BYU has got to improve BYU's chances, having already offered Max Adams uh, a scholarship, a bigger shot at landing him. And you, by the way, if you can get elite talents to come to BYU, guess what? It causes other elite players to say, okay, that dude picked BYU. Why did he pick the Cougars? They start to look into it, and that gives you an in as a recruiting uh, hook to hopefully bring more players of that ilk into your program. I'm not saying it's going to become a self-feeding machine and BYU is going to become the next Kansas or Houston or Texas, whatever uh, elite program in the Big 12 that's out there that you want to kind of emulate. I'm not saying that's going to happen because I don't think BYU has that cachet. Uh, But the thing is, having players like Marcus Adams opens that door just a little bit and gives you more of an opportunity than you would have had without him on the roster. And uh, there's a lot more in terms of uh, potential down the road. If you can maximize Marcus Adams' time with the Cougars, you land a Max Adams and you start to kind of build some momentum, that is where you can start to really see things come alive. And like I said, it's been a long time since I've been able to look at a guy that's coming to BYU and say, that dude's got absolute NBA potential. And I got to say, Marcus Adams very much looks the part to me on film. 
All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll finish out this edition of Locked On Cougars with some other notes from the weekend that was in BYU sports. I know that BYU football may have disappointed you. There's two other programs in BYU's athletic department who are absolutely just skyrocketing. They're absolutely killing it out there. We'll talk about those here in just a minute. Now, a quick word on our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's been working with us for months now, and the best part is get ready for the NFL season. It starts this Thursday, my friend, with an incredible offer from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and that is right now new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from our friends at YouTube and YouTube TV as well. So it's a win-win, my friends. $200 in bonus bets and an extra 100 bucks off of your NFL Sunday ticket. Get in on it right now. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and many, many more. They got daily specials and the like, all available to you guys at all times on the app there. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NBA, excuse me, not the NBA, the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss out on. That's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday whenever you watch and or listen to this. If you don't mind, uh, please continue to subscribe, rate, and review. We hit my stated goal of getting 4,000 subscribers over the weekend on YouTube, but hey, we ain't stopping anytime soon. Lavelle Edwards Stadium holds 63,000 people. There were 59,006 people at the game on Saturday. By comparison's sake, we're a small fish in a big pond. There are thousands of Cougar fans that I want to reach, and if you guys would wouldn't mind helping us do that. I would love for you guys to be a part of that. And please continue to share, subscribe, rate, review, like the show, leave your comments. All that helps us build the brand right here on the podcast. All right, uh, a couple of notes before we go real quick on the show is congratulations to BYU Women's Soccer. They had a really tough time last year in their matchups with UVU, but BYU made the short trip over to Orem, Utah on Saturday night and made quick work of the UVU Wolverines. Uh, BYU ranked in the top 10. They're ranked number 7. They're likely to move up after upsetting number 1 UCLA earlier on last week. Well, BYU ran roughshod, winning 6-1 behind Aaron, Braley, Aaron Bailey's brace on Saturday night. BYU is now 6-0 on the season, have not uh, conceded a, a, a tie yet. They literally are unbeaten and untied on the season so far. Great stuff from Jennifer Rockwood and her squad. Really fun to see them doing their thing. Uh, they're headed north to face Utah this coming Saturday for the annual Holy War matchup or the Deseret First Duel, whatever they're going to call the rivalry moving forward here. That'll be 7 o'clock on Ute Field. I would fully expect BYU to dominate the Utes and move to 7-0 on the season, but we'll track that in the uh, lead-up to that game. Uh, Likewise, BYU women's volleyball, now inside the top 10 in their own right, ranked number 9, likely to move up once again this week. They swept UC Davis in their second and final match of the doTERRA Classic inside the Smith Fieldhouse. Uh, They beat the uh, the Aggies 25-15, 25-13, 25-11. Utter domination for BYU. A huge win for the Cougars, and now they will be headed to Pullman, Washington this week for the Washington State's Cougar Classic, beginning with the matchup against Towson Thursday morning. That'll be at 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, BYU and women's soccer, like I said, the basketball, not the basketball, the football team may have disappointed you a little bit over the weekend. It still was 
to win. But if you want to watch two teams who are just absolutely just crushing it right now, well, I encourage you to get on board with BYU Women's Soccer as well as BYU Women's Volleyball because they are worth the price of admission right now. They're absolutely balling out. So there you go. Uh, it's everything I got for you guys on a Monday edition of the show. BYU having their weekly media availability with Kalani Satake and select players at noon Mountain Time. We'll be back with a recap of what we learned from that uh, coming up on tomorrow's show. We'll also uh, look ahead to Southern Utah a little bit. Had great conversations with Delane Fitzgerald, Southern Utah's head coach, as well as their starting quarterback, Justin Miller, a guy who BYU, who, who wanted to go to BYU at one point during his recruiting uh, profile. We'll catch up with them as the week progresses as well. And of course, player sound, audio, uh, everything I can glean from BYU practices via our practice insiders. We got it all for you guys this week as get you ready for game two as BYU takes on Southern Utah out at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday afternoon. So until then, thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers once again right here on the podcast. And of course, we'll catch you guys again on a Tuesday. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.